Hey, and welcome to Startalk All-Stars. I am your host, Natalie Starkey, and I am joined today by my amazing comedian co-host, Mo Welch. Hello. And I today also have with me the amazing Farah Albay from JPL, which Hi. is Japan... Ja- Jet Propulsion Biology. I'm like pets. Oh, it's nothing to do with pets. Anyway, <laughs> welcome and thank you for joining us today. Um, did you have an okay journey here? Because we both had issues. Well, trying I to heard find that this your place. car broke down, and that's yeah. Her her car's towed, and mine mine eventually got here, and it's probably going to be towed by the time oh. I leave. I'm fine. I mean, the service light came out this morning. But it's okay. That's, that's the, Just ignore that. Yeah, you <laughs> can. I can go. on. Yeah, you can leave that on there for years. Yep. So I should point out that we're at the Planetary Society today. If you're British, you say planetary, but I say planetary because I've now lived here for so long that I've learned how to speak American. Um, <laughs> and we just bumped into Bill Nye, which was kind of awesome. And he took us on a tour of this place, which is amazing. I, mm-hmm. You know, if you can ever get a, come on a tour here, that would be great because yeah. we learned a lot. Um, and I got a free book, which is signed. Which I mean, you traded excited. it. I yeah, traded yeah. my book for his book. I'm like, I think I did better out of this. <laughs> Um, so today we're going to be talking about the Mars um, InSight mission, um, mm-hmm. which is a NASA mission that launched um, in May, wasn't yep. it? Was it May or June? It was May, wasn't May. it? It feels like Fifth of May. more recently than that. So I met Farah at the launch um, and we were really excited to to watch this. Well, it was my first rocket launch, was it? Yours? I had seen a couple before, but okay. um, not out of California. Well, you can sometimes actually see them out of LA. Um, out of, like, if you get on a tall building and you know they're coming, you can actually see them from here. Okay, so for me, I live like in the Central Valley of California and you yeah, can never no see chance. them there and this was the first mission um, an interplanetary mission to launch from the west coast um, and that's huge exciting because they're normally from Florida aren't they yep. so yep. I was like yeah I'm gonna get down there and and so I covered it for StarTalk there's a blog you can read all about the mission and it was um, at 4 a.m. it was so a we all had to wow. wake up like we were there from 2 a.m. right well and we were there all night really because yeah. I don't think any of us have slept like tower roll back which was amazing mm-hmm. you were there for that when no you? I wasn't I had to actual you work had to do wh- wh- <laughs> I know <laughs> whatever <laughs> um so yeah tower roll back was at like 10 p.m. and then we got to see the launch and it happened as set at 4 a.m. pretty yep. much as soon as the launch window opened and we were all really excited I mean like NASA and it was it 31st Space Wing down at Vandenberg Air Force Base Um, they set it up really nicely for the media and we got to this really high point overlooking the launch pad which is a couple of miles away it was amazing we we were working there leading up to launch doing all the testing and we literally drove around the whole campus right, um, base looking for the best spot and it is literally the best spot and we still didn't see anything so yeah the problem was California particularly the coast of California, has this marine layer, as they call it. And I was like, what are you talking about, the marine layer? I live in the Central Valley. I've never heard of this thing. <laughs> it turns out it's just Ocean. really, really thick fog. Like, literally right. can't see anything. Mm-hmm. We couldn't see anything. Like, there was a cliff we were standing on the edge of. And we were like, where is the edge of the cliff? We can't even see it. So we're going to be getting to... say you were there. That's we, the point, yeah, I was right? there. We heard it. I definitely we felt heard it. it. Now, insights on its way, right? Yep. So when are we going to arrive at Mars? Uh, the Monday after Thanksgiving. Monday after Thanksgiving. American okay, Thanksgiving. so that's 26th of, of November. So yeah. it's really quick, actually. That's what yeah. really surprised me. I'm excited. Yeah. It's always about that fast, though. It's six okay. months. So that's the perfect, like, the high, lowest energy transfer. So it's when, basically, I mean, Mars and Earth sort off wherever. But in the end, if, if we were... if the sun is here and Earth is at one end. Um, when we land on Mars, Mars is going to be on the other end. So it's okay. a perfect like half um, half circle. So there's no like gravitational flybys of anything. Nope. Just, no, just no. Well, I mean, because the closest planet is Mars, so yeah. you couldn't really fly by. But you don't else. go around the sun; you just go straight. Nope. 
Excellent. Not that far. Okay, that's really awesome. Um, okay, so we're going to land. Is the landing? I loved the video for Curiosity. You know, they made this yeah. amazing like movie. I don't know if yeah. you've seen it, but we don't like, have as much. The of a seven budget. minutes of terror. <laughs> Is there a seven minutes of terror for? Yes, but it's different. Okay, uh, I'm not quite sure it lasts exactly seven minutes, but it's about that much for us too. But it's different. So you know, with Curiosity, you had that big sky crane, right, and that that. Uh, is essentially kind of like a helicopter that dropped off Curiosity on the ground. Uh, we did that because Curiosity was so heavy. Okay. Um, inside is super light. Um, so it's, you know, in the 800-pound range. So it actually has retro rockets on the spacecraft itself. Oh, uh, so we okay. don't need a separate entity. So we we go in the same way as, Mar- as uh, Curiosity does into the atmosphere with the heat shield. Okay. And the heat shield burns up. I didn't know this, but uh, apparently the heat shield is made of cork and the cork actually burns like, up. Like as in wine. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, I could help okay. you out with you know, reducing costs here. <laughs> I know. Every time I open a bottle, I'm like, really? oh, I'm going to save this now. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. It, that is a good space fact. I uh-huh. like that one. Okay. Um, so it's like cork in between some material that shapes it, right? And then, so that's what burns when you're entering the atmosphere and that helps reduce some of the energy from the drag. Okay. And then once we get about um, five miles above the surface that's when we get rid of the heat shield uh, no sorry we get rid of the back shell and then we open the we open the parachute okay um, and then eventually we get rid of the heat shield and then about a mile from the surface we actually get rid of the parachute too um, because okay. there's just like not enough of an atmosphere to be able to use the, the parachute all the way down to the ground okay and so when we get to about a mile it's kind of a, like a really scary moment because you get rid of your parachute and then a few seconds later your thrusters come on so there's like a That's few a seconds fall. of yeah. free fall okay. that has to happen because you don't want the thrusters to come on when the parachute is right. still there yeah. um, and then and then we use the thrusters for the last minute Okay, and where are we aiming to land? Because it's quite near Gale Crater, where Curiosity is Yeah, so it's Elysium Planitia, which is just north of... Say again. Elysium Planitia? Elysium Planitia, okay. We may not be. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Latin or something, (laughs) I guess. Um, But it's, yeah, it's just north of... um, of curiosity, it's about a hundred and some miles north. Okay. Um, but uh, the reason why we chose it is not actually because curiosity is there. It actually causes problems that curiosity is there a little bit because we actually transmit to orbiters that are around Mars. That's how we talk to Earth. Um, so on a given pass, when the orbiters are overhead, we actually have to share the orbiter. With, oh no! Yeah, it's kind of annoying. It's kind so of. So how are you going to fight this out like, with a curiosity team? Uh, like, I feel like we win because when you are when like, you, it's okay. like the younger brother. They've or sister, done it already. Right? They, it's, like, it's mine, but I don't know. I, we, it's a negotiation process okay. right but uh but the reason why we chose that area is because we're a lander not a rover right and um so we have to f- land somewhere where we know we can land safely okay uh but also inside is studying the interior of mars so it doesn't actually care what where it lands because we're studying a planet globally and we're studying the interior so what the, re- the scientists really wanted because we're deploying instruments on the surface and they're very sensitive instruments we had to make sure that there was a flat area uh where we could deploy the instruments so statistically they looked at all the areas and literally I'm not kidding we were looking for the most boring place on Mars wow um, okay. uh, our project manager calls it like the Kansas of Mars yeah, <laughs> I was about to say I was going to say Omaha but yeah, yeah there you go it's right. just flat yeah. okay. uh, and that's what, absolutely what we want I've never been so excited to go somewhere boring uh, really boring okay <laughs> just because it yeah. makes our life so much easier yeah. <laughs> okay so some of these instruments that we're going to be putting on Mars we want to okay so we're wanting to look at the interior of Mars mm-hmm. 
How do we do that? Okay, so we're studying. So yeah, we're studying the interior of Mars because what we want to understand is how rocky planets evolved, right? So so we know that the Earth. I mean, we're in California, has plate tectonics. We get earthquakes. Uh, we know that it has a core. Um, I don't know if you know this, but we have a, a, the solid core and then the liquid metal core that moves, right? And the fact that the metal core is moving is actually what gives us a magnetic field. And the magnetic field is actually what protects you from solar wind and all the radiation that's coming from space. It's the reason why we're able to keep our atmosphere. And why we've got life. Yeah. Um, and so Mars, there's actually evidence that Mars used to have a magnetic field, for example. Okay. And we think that it used to have an atmosphere. And then the magnetic field went away. And we know that because there's remnant magnetic field on Mars. Um, okay. So one of the theories out there, right, is, you know, Mars must have evolved differently from Earth because it's a what we call a single plate planet, meaning it has a crust the way the Earth does, but there's no plate tectonics. It's just one single plate. Okay. Um, and it has a mantle, and then we think it has a core, but um, this is all really unknown at the moment. Yeah. So like with Earth, I just want to point out with Earth, when we want to find out what's inside of Earth, we know quite well because we can pretty much place seismometers wherever we yeah. want on it's our planet. It's because of We're earthquakes just, that we know. Right? We, can, we can deploy seismometers wherever and we can be like, there's loads of earthquakes, we measure them all. And so we have a good picture of what's inside our mm-hmm. planet. But with Mars, of course, there there are some seismometers on Mars, right? From no. early, I think some earlier missions from, no, was it Viking or Phoenix? No. Oh, okay. Um, there's There's been other experiments on Mars, but the only other place we've landed a seismometer before is actually on the moon. So we okay. actually did... The same experiments we're doing on InSight, uh, we did on the moon during the Apollo missions. Okay. They brought a seismometer and a probe. But this is the first time we're actually landing. But it's going to be much easier to put them on the moon because we had people, people. to place yeah. them. And okay, like, so we have them no when people. They're not yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. one of the issues we have with Mars is that we're just going to send this little robot up there and he's got to sit there and then he's got to place these instruments. Or oh, she, I don't know, is it he or she? Who knows? And normally we say she. She, I think okay. most of the, because it's a craft, right? Like okay. ship, like if you're on a ship, that's oh, a yeah. she. Oh, yeah, okay. So yeah. curiosity is a she, spirit is a she. So okay. I, Insight hasn't been like named he or she yet, but I just decided it had to be she. It's a she. Fine. Yeah. Well, it's all women. If I say here, it now, so. right? If I say <laughs> it now, it. It has to be. Yeah. <laughs> so she is going to place these instruments. So how how I'm, how is this going to work? Like what's um, so when this? we land, right? That we have a seismometer and then we have a, a heat flow and physical properties package. Okay, uh, that's essentially a probe. That's what we call it HP cube because. You know, it's a acronyms. Name. Yeah. Um, so they are both on the deck of the lander. So when we land, right, it's kind of cool because we land and we land like legs first and we're all ready to go. Okay. To deploy the solar rays. But then there's a robotic arm on the deck that pops up and then picks up these instruments and puts them on the surface. But to make it even harder, you know, we have to put the seismometer down on the surface and then there's a what we call a wind and thermal shield, which is essentially just a little housing and it actually has chain mail around it. And that has to go right on top of the seismometer, but not touch it. To protect it from any of the environment. So if you've ever played the claw game at the arcade and how it, (laughs) you know, how it picks up, it's the same (laughs) same mechanism. Um, Okay. So let me do one final question before we go for a break. And it's going to be what, uh, how long is it all going to take? So basically we're going to land on Mars and then okay so deployment will but take is it not going to be really dusty when it lands first of all uh, a little bit but not okay, as bad not, not as bad as Curiosity again because mm-hmm. they're not they're, they're tiny rockets right like our rockets are this big and the, you know that's and then the Curiosity rockets were about five times the size so, okay so the amount of dust that's moving over now you've heard that right now there's a giant dust storm on Mars right? yeah it's the worst one we've ever seen it's crazy so we kind of hope that won't happen I mean statistically they happen every so often but uh, that could be bad weather is but, that going to be finished by the time uh i mean we don't know but uh 
we've never seen storm, storms last that long. But okay. then again, we haven't seen them be this big. And it is, from what I heard, dissipating a little bit. But um, so depending on whether there's a dust storm or not, that might delay us. But nominally, it'll take about two to three months to deploy the instruments. And then once we've done that, the scientists have asked for a year, a Mars year, which is about two Earth years, mm. to do their experiments. But um, JPL has a tendency to over-design things. Uh, Opportunity Ray has been on Mars for 14 years, and it was designed for 90 days. So we don't expect it to, we expect it to last much longer than yeah. than two years. Right? I mean, all those previous things have done so well. Yeah. Like, they've just, they're still going. Yeah, but so. in two years, what we can say is in two years, we'll have the answers to to the questions we're asking. Okay, we'll so we're going to start drilling into Mars this year or just start yeah, yeah. next year? So just start, it'll probably be around January or February of 2018. This 2019, sorry. And we've not actually drilled into any other planet, right? Only the, um, only the moon? Yeah, only the moon, but this is the deepest we'll have gone on any other planet. This yeah, is amazing. It's wow. going to be uh, five meters or 16 feet. And how's that going to affect you measuring earthquakes on the planet if you're going to be drilling? Oh, so, mm. yeah. Well, so the seismometer is the main instrument, and then we're hammering down right, okay. with this other, with this other um, instrument. But that only takes a few months. Okay. And so as it turns out, this was not intentional, but the seismometer is actually has to be deployed first just because of the configuration. It's also the most important instrument, so you want it on the ground as fast as you can. Um, so when we realized later that because of the hammering that's happening, the seismometer is actually going to be able to hear it. Uh, but it turns out to be a good thing because then we can calibrate. It's like it's a, extra data. Yeah, it's a really, got. really good calibration okay. source because you know when it's happening and you know what you sh what the signal should look like. Okay. Um, and inadvertently, it's actually going to help us um, characterize like that the depth at that depth what the ground looks like what so, is actually in it yeah ah, so it's just exercise that's how we that. cover up when we screw up when we screw it's up like a little we bit we meant yeah. to do this it's more science <laughs> yep <laughs> it's just bonus science yep oh I love it no that's great so we we need to keep watching the space because there's just so much happening so soon I'm very excited okay so we are going to take a short break and we're going to be back soon with Star Stars Welcome back to Star Talk All Stars. I am your host, Natalie Starkey, and with me still we have Mo Welch. Still here. And we have Farah Alame <laughs> from JPL. Um, so we're gonna get into your cosmic queries shortly, but I think Mo had a burning question. Yes, of course, because obviously I'm, you know, busy just writing jokes eight hours a day, so I don't keep up as much as I should. But uh, my question is just why are we going to Mars and drilling? Okay. Well what are we getting? Well, so the first question, right, it's really a two-part question. Why are we going to Mars? And and as I kind of mentioned earlier, we're studying rocky planets in general, and we're studying the evolution of rocky planets. And the real question that we're asking is, why is Mars different than Earth, right? But we could have asked the same question about Venus or Mercury. It's really about getting an extra data point, because we know that Earth is sort of really active. We have all sorts of plate tectonics. We know the moon is pretty much dead. There's nothing going on. It's kind of boring. Um, and we know that all the other rocky planets in the solar system are different. The reason why we chose Mars is just because it's the easiest planet to get to, mm -hmm. which is really weird to say. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's really hard, but it's also the easiest because right. Venus is horrible and Mercury is even worse. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just an extra data point, which people 
sometimes it's hard to get your you know your head around it because this is really a planetary mission. It's not a Mars mission. Even within GPL, we have a Mars directorate because Mars just gets a lot of attention. And then there's a planetary mission directorate, and Insight falls in the planetary. We're not you know we're kind of the little rogue child. Aww. We don't fit within the Mars exploration. It's okay program. to be different. Yeah. It's okay. Well, there's this big program to explore Mars, and they have these series of missions, and then Insight just came along, and they're like, we want to go there too. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, "Yeah, I guess you can go. We don't. We're not. We don't care about you. Yeah, yeah, you're not part of our just family. Just don't ruin though. anything. Yeah, <laughs> just you know, don't you don't come to our director. You like, can't right. drive with us. So you say, <laughs> obviously, we're talking about Mars not being kind of active, um, yeah. but it is, isn't it? I mean, it's still doing stuff, and yeah. that's why we're getting Mars. Well, quakes. I love that they're called Mars quakes because, yeah. of course, earthquakes only applied to Earth, so they're Mars Must quakes. Be Mars so quakes. I, yeah. I well, Mars is a weird place, right? There's the biggest volcano in the solar system. It's like bigger than Mount Everest. We have like this crater this yeah this crater that's like basically three times deeper than the Grand Canyon and would go end to end from New York to LA um, so it's huge and Mars is three times smaller than the earth so if you think of those features right. on a tiny planet it's crazy so stuff has happened right and I sort of mentioned it used to have a, a magnetic field and it's gone and maybe it used to have an atmosphere and we're like what you know what happened um, so that's what the mission's doing uh, and the reason why we're drilling right the main instrument is a seismometer and that's how we know about the interior of earth mm-hmm. um, that's basically we look at waves reflecting and, and we're not just looking so these at are like this is energy so you, you basically yeah. you crack some of the crust or you move some of the crust of the earth which is the outer shell yeah. and that creates an energy wave that passes through all around the planet and actually a seismometer somewhere else on, on the planet the other side can, can measure it. when these energy waves uh, approach it mm-hmm. And then what they can work out is what it's been through. Yeah. Um, so we work out we've got a solid core and a liquid outer core and a slightly squidgy mantle and then some solid crust. Um, exactly. But the more you do that, the more accurate picture you can build up of the yeah. inside and of the planet. And depending on where the earthquake was or the Mars quake, um, that you get better idea, right? It's kind of like building a picture over and over again until you get it really accurate. So so we think that there's some activity just because of we think there's magma below, right? So moving, there's no active volcanoes anymore and there's no tectonic plates. Um, um, but we do expect some... And also the planet is still cooling. This is what we have to remember. Yeah. Our solar system is relatively young, you know. So although it, it formed kind of, you know, four and a half billion years ago, these planets are still cooling down. And actually, if you're cooling down something, it's going to contract. Yeah. Like that rock is, is going to contract and crack. So actually some of it just comes from that, just that yeah. kind of... Just nothing, really. Yeah, it's but it's not like an active planet like yeah. Earth, but it's still doing stuff so yeah. that you can measure. And the other cool thing that we can measure is micrometeorite impacts. So on Earth, a lot of the meteorites right, that you see as like shooting stars don't actually impact the Earth most of the time because of our atmosphere. But on Mars, it's pretty exposed to that. Um, so it gets bombarded fairly frequently. And so the impacts from that can be big enough for us to be able to detect it. Are these um, called meteor core wakes? That's really hard to say. Meteor quakes. I don't know. They should be. That's really hard to <laughs> Say so, inside is a she, and we have meteor uh, meteor quakes. Okay, meteor quakes. Yeah, yeah, I like that. But. Okay, we'll stick with that if we can say it. It's probably um, easier to write. Yeah. Okay, yeah. let's move on to some cosmic queries. Um, so yes. we've got you've got a whole pile of questions here. Of course, we'll try and get through as many as possible. Yes, this first one is from Renee Douglas. This is the Patreon question. Searching for life is not the only reason to go to Mars. However, I'm curious. What will it take to satisfy scientists that there is no life on Mars? Oh. And she's from Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, so I've never been there. I've never been there. I can't even I really tell you where it is. I think I have when I was young. But, um, 
So it's actually, it's really difficult to know, to positively know that there is no life, right? And that's actually one of the curses of planetary exploration is, um, for example, and people always remind us of this, when Viking landed, um, Viking was one of the first landers on Mars, and, and they were convinced there was going to be life on Mars, mm. right? They thought there was going to be a little green man like walking around, to the point where there's a ca- there was a camera on Viking, and there was legit an argument as to whether we should put a light on the lander, just in case that the life would only come out at night, so we need a light <laughs> right. for the camera to be able to see it, right? That's and amazing. One of the what we call the the Viking curse is that Viking was never able to find life, but it was also never positively able to to not say that yeah. there was life, right? Okay. And so this is a problem that applies to Mars. It will apply to Europa. It will apply to Enceladus, right? It's really difficult to say there is no life. Um, we try and look for life as we know it. We try and look for markers of life, right? We've seen things like methane, and so there's the we can't it's really really hard to say there is no life or there was no but life. but yeah that's the mm-hmm. other thing is whether there was life somewhere that yeah. now we can't see because yeah. you know because it would be fossilized extent. and yeah. if that was very wasn't preserved it might not have been preserved very well we need to look in lots of different places for that life that might have been there but it probably yeah. wasn't intelligent life or anything developed because we probably would have seen that by now yeah. so and then the other thing is you know organic material so it's like we may we have now found organic matter on Mars or in, in the surface mm-hmm. of Mars, but this doesn't mean there's life. And I yeah. think that's that big leap that people go, oh, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of matter. There I must remember a bunch of my friends, you know, texted me or emailed when that announcement came out a few, you know, a few weeks ago. And they're like, oh, organic material, there must be life. And it's like, no, and there's multiple reasons why this might be around, right? So it's one of the building blocks for sure. Uh, and it, it tells us that maybe there was life. It doesn't disqualify it. but uh, So we need it for them to be life as we know it, but yeah. it doesn't mean that there's life. So and we also need water, which is partly why Curiosity is in Gale Crater because, yeah. you know, it's looking for an environment where life could have thrived. Yeah. It needed to have some kind of watery environment. Yeah. And I so. think most people now are pretty convinced that there might not be um, a current life on Mars and it's probably extant life just because we don't see like the cycles, right, that we would right. see from other, if there were living organisms, we would see it more mm. readily. It doesn't mean that there isn't at all, but it might be a lot harder to find. Um, but there's still, you know, all the building blocks are there in the past for there to have been life. Uh, but finding that is, yeah, it's not an easy task. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you'll ever convince scientists <laughs> that there's no life. We're going to keep looking. We're going to keep looking. I, I mean, I still have they hope. Don't give up. I have hope. I, I think my real parents are there. <laughs> I tell you, my mom, I'm an alien my entire life. My brother wrote it on, he was like seven, the only graffiti he did in his room. It just said, I am alien. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. Profound. Cool. Um, all right. Next, Rama Naimi from Facebook. If they give you the chance to go to Mars, which scientist are you going to bring with you? Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. That's a good one. I, do you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in first because actually I would take a fake scientist. Because I would take, what's it, Mark Watney, Matt Damon's character Aww. in Martian. Because he's just so useful, isn't he? Like I'm not very useful. As we can see today when my car broke down. I was like, I have no idea what's happened. Okay. I literally have no idea you what's happened. You want to bring an engineer. So I want yeah. an engineer, but he's also a scientist. He's pretty good. He right. can grow potatoes on on Mars. Yeah. So can, I, can, I like potatoes. He could probably fix my car. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, so I feel like if I'm going to go into space, I want someone who can, you know, look after me and and prepare everything and make me live. Because I would survive like a few seconds on my own in space. I think <laughs> I would probably just be like, wow, this is amazing. I'll just step outside yeah. and then die. You know. So <laughs> so I, I would want him. 
But if he's this in real life, he's going to be some kind of astronaut, I guess. So I'll take an astronaut. They're yeah. pretty useful, they're the aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're all pretty right. good. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that like you don't want to take a specific scientist because they're all super focused in their disciplines. I think mm-hmm. what you want is really good communication to be able to call back home. And yeah, someone to fix your stuff. And yeah. Just make yeah. your life a Great little bit better. Stuff. I feel like you'd have to bring someone entertaining. If you're going right. to be alone with them, right, I'd rather take you. Yeah. Right? Like you I was going to say, like, I'm going to take you guys because you guys are like... Because if you're the, dying, yeah. you might as well have fun. <laughs> yeah, like you might as well have someone who's entertaining I agree. and not just like someone who's like, oh my God, look at this rock. <laughs> oh my God. But I'm a, co- I'm a comic, so there's just no doubt that I'd be like, what's happening? <laughs> I'm so sad. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Paolo Sama from Twitter. If the global if the global dust storm raging right now in Mars, which we were just talking about, keeps going on until insight arrives, will it be possible for you guys to land? Um Yes. So, and I'm pretty sure that's true. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the, the, the dust storm. So two things to remember, right? The Martian is wrong. Um, and, um, you know, we don't, the, the one bad thing about the Martian is when it, you know, there's that big storm at the beginning and the map yeah. gets blown over. That could never happen in real life. Because what happens on Mars is we do have big storms, but the atmosphere is so thin that we don't, you know, it's not as bad. So, so I don't know that anyone's looked at this current storm to look at what it looked like, but we could definitely, you know, land in, in less than ideal conditions. Okay. Now we have solar arrays. So what would actually happen if the storm happened once we've landed, um, we would actually go into a sleep mode where we and we can survive in that mode. We've actually been designed to survive oh, for like a okay. hundred sols. It's part of the requirements. So we can uh, a sol is a Martian day, right? Mm-hmm. So we could survive for about three months just in a storm like that, and we wow. just go into like hunker down and and stay warm um, and use as little of our batteries as we can. And you can still get a little bit of of uh, energy through the arrays. So if everything's powered off. Um, we could actually do it for a little while. So That's good it's not know. ideal. Yeah. No. But, um, we can definitely survive for a while. But. That's okay. good to know. Yeah, totally. It would be stress. I hope that storm has passed, though. Yeah. For yeah, more same. reasons than just insight. <laughs> it like will, yeah. Stuff. It's funny because last week we did a, well, we do something called operational readiness test where we basically do dress rehearsals for operations. And, and last week was a, um, we were practicing part of the deployment phase, but uh, we were doing it in an anomalous situation we have what we call gremlins who come in and they're like oh this is happening right now or like oh look at this weird data so this reminds uh, me of Apollo 13 where they were like where yeah. they go and test all the scenarios yeah like landing and then like, on the they, moon put, and you, they give you fake data right and so like break. one of the data that pieces of data they gave us is atmospheric data from currently on mars and like we were you know uh we were pretending that there was a really bad storm. So that's how I actually, that's the only reason why I know I that we'd be okay. You have the best job. Yeah. I think I want to come and work with you. Yeah, well, except so it was still fun. like 15 hour days. Still. <laughs> it's like proper space stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, let's pretend we're on Mars today. And it's cool because we have, we have a test bed at JPL where we test all these things and we pretend we're Mars and we even take pictures and they go through the system and we can see. And then the test conductors and the gremlins will put, like we have a little Martian from the Looney Tunes. Oh, and yeah. then we had a little gremlin too, like that would move around the surface every so often. Okay. But someone, someone from another project like walked across the surface one night and we were like that footstep was That's like life. and the, the footstep was exactly where we were gonna like put the instrument and we were like so we can't deploy there anymore because like there's a giant hole well that could happen right. if right. there are aliens yeah. up there you know you gotta be prepared for this so we stuff. were like do we report this anomaly <laughs> <laughs> giant footstep on the <laughs> it's like we found life maybe <laughs> in Pasadena yeah <laughs> okay uh the 
Brackinator from Instagram. Is the InSight mission using any of the technology used from the previous Mars missions, such as the Phoenix Lander or the Rovers? Yeah. So actually, uh, InSight is kind of the little sister to Phoenix. So Phoenix was another lander, also built by Lockheed Martin, who we partner with for InSight. And if you look at Phoenix, it's actually the same deck. It's the okay. same lander. Uh, our solar rays are a little bit bigger, but one of the reasons why we were able to build this for cheaper and a little bit faster is because we used what we call heritage. And then the weirdest thing is the arm on there is about 20 years old, which is really creepy. So it's like from a mission, it was Look, like... It's the literal It's arm. like 20 it's not years old. No, the same design. It's, yeah, oh. no, it's like the literal arm. So it was... So it was a, it was meant, it was a flight spare for a mission. And then it was meant to go on like one of the Mars 2000 missions that got canceled okay. back when we had a bunch of failures, uh, right after, um, after the initial Vikings and stuff, we tried to go back to Mars and then after Sojourner, hmm. right, we had a, a bunch of failures right after that. And then the, the next mission that we actually landed was, was, um, spirit and opportunity so for a while there were failures and then missions got cancelled and that arm was meant to you to be used in one of those missions it was a flight spare and then wow. it was in storage and then when we decided right because insight was a competed mission so we had to be within a certain budget um we were like oh how can we make this cheap and someone went to storage and we're like we have this arm <laughs> i guess we can use it and it's 20 years old wow. um, so we refurbished it twice so it's kind of like getting the batteries changed in your iphone right it's it's good but it definitely has issues like, okay um you know it has limitations but since we're only deploying instruments right like it, it's fine it's it's way more than we need so its job is to just literally get them put them out and then it's done yeah yeah okay. well it has a camera on the arm so we'll move around oh. and take pictures from the camera do some selfies yeah yeah i mean that's okay. one of the first pictures that we take when we land on yeah. mars is a selfie oh. not because we're millennials but because, yeah. <laughs> but because you want to see what's on the deck and if anything's moved but um also it's good pr yeah it does everyone loves their selfies yes. yeah put a yeah. filter on it <laughs> okay let's see where we are here okay john tweak this is also from Instagram. How are Mars quakes different from earthquakes? And will Insight give us new insights regarding these differences? Yeah. Uh, well, we've never really detected Mars quakes. So by new insights, we'll mean any insight. Mm -hmm. uh, but well, we talked a little bit about how they're different, right? Like on Earth, Mars, uh, on Earth, Mars quakes don't happen. <laughs> you are so stuck on Mars. <laughs> or do Surprise! they? Yeah. But on Earth, earthquakes happen because of, of plates rubbing against each other or, you know, or even volcanoes or, or plates moving with respect to each other, right? And we know there's no plates on Mars. So so one of the mechanisms that we think might be happening is just magma moving below the surface, which also happens on Earth. But um, if we have these big movements right below the surface and, and presumably the crust is not as thick in some places, that could be how um, how Mars quakes happen. We also talked about the planet cooling and then the micrometeorite impacts that we can't really detect on Earth, but on Mars we is pretty easy to detect. Right. So the energy, I guess, looks the same, but it just, it's like, there's still energy coming out of them. There's still yeah. Earth, there's still, there's quakes, still seismic waves. Mm -hmm. But they're, they're just produced by a different mechanism. So. so it's the same, yeah, it's the same phenomena. It's mm. just the cause for it is different. Right. Because you can create an earthquake just by jumping up and down. I mean, yeah. wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. there was the World Cup? There was a goal in Mexico, was it? I was watching last week. And they caught this seismic event. It wasn't really an earthquake. It was a yeah. seismic event because yeah. everyone jumped when up and they, down. And they, they go, literally, uh, yeah, when, when they got the goal. Up and down. and yeah. you can see it on the seismometers, well, the which is amazing. rocket launch, we had a seismometer at Vandenberg. And then one of okay. our scientists took the data and saw the seismic and waves 
awesome well, insect yeah. launching. So anything can produce these waves and yeah. they just travel through the earth, um, yep. which is pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm excited to see what a Mars quake kit would involve. Because yeah. there's this guy two doors down from me that sells earthquake kits from his garage. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, this guy's got the life. He's got a poster and everything. He just, wow. he just puts it up and he's just selling them. He just sell them. Yeah. Hey, hey, I, I need to go and uh, see yeah. this. I need no, to I've never them. seen anyone buy them. <laughs> right, we business. need to take a short break, but we're going to be back with some more Cosmic Queries very soon. Welcome back to Star Talk All Stars. I am still your host, Natalie Starkey, and I'm still joined by Mo Welch. Yes, hello. And Farah Alabay from JPL. Okay, so we've got some more cosmic queries. Let's we go ahead with those. Do. Okay, this is from our sponsor, My Radar. Uh, Natalie, since we know you started out as a geologist, before setting your sights on space, I thought this question would be perfect for you. <laughs> Mike B wants to know if there are quakes on other moons or planets like there are on Earth. Will Insight tell us if there have been any quakes on Mars? Okay, sure. So, yeah, I mean, all the other terrestrial planets and the moon have quakes. So we've got Mars quakes and moon quakes there everywhere. But they're different to Earth because the earthquakes are created from the plate tectonics. So we have these bits of our crust that move around and it's broken into big sections. There's about seven major tectonic plates on Earth. And it's those movements that create earthquakes on Earth. Um, but on other planets, we don't think there's ever been plate tectonics and the different, we can't see it at, at the present day. We don't think it ever existed. So the earthquakes or the Mars quakes are created from different sources. So it could be like the planet is just cooling down still and it's contracting. And that crust, that rigid outer crust that you get of the planet just cracks as it as it goes. So it's not active as such the planet but it's still doing stuff and it could be that we've still got some material under the crust that is in the mantle that is sort of molten still um, magma moving around could create but we need to find this out we don't know for sure so this is one of the things insight's going to be doing right it's going to yeah. be looking inside the planet indirectly by looking mm -hmm. at the seismic waves we essentially use the out. seismic waves to do our experiment right so it doesn't really matter where they come from but the, the idea is we're looking at a phenomena and whether it comes from the planet cooling or from magma moving on the surface or uh, even micrometeorites that might be impacting the planets, right? You get uh, you get shooting stars on Earth, but on Mars, you know, those little bits of micrometeorites, they don't burn up because there's not as much of an atmosphere. So you you do get things bombarding Mars all the time and and that creates uh, that creates seismic waves. You know, we get seismic waves on Earth from from rockets launching, right? So it doesn't matter where the waves come from as long as they're strong enough to travel through the planet. And then we look at how they travel, how fast they travel, and from a given point, we can see it travel all the way around the planet. And the way that that propagates is, is what tells us about the interior of a planet, uh, which is really what we're studying. So, um, so yeah, they're different mechanisms, but um, they are means to an end, essentially. Mm -hmm. This is not a question. Uh, it is a statement. Oh, Astrophysics <laughs> 4 from Instagram says, living on Mars is not a good idea, period. <laughs> I mean, I agree. It's not great. I feel like we should be taking care of our planet I first. totally agree. Like yeah. No, I totally agree. Because, you know, everyone's like, oh, do you want to... Often people ask me, like, do you want to go into space? And, do you and I'm like, well, yeah, that would be awesome if I could, like, go and go into space. But yeah. not go and live on Mars. Because like, right. what would you do there? No, it sounds no. awful. You can't survive there without, like, loads of support. Like, yeah. whereas I'm quite happy on Earth. My family's and then you're, like, here. Your I think bones it's quite will beautiful. degrade. And then yeah. your liver degrades. Know, you can't yeah. drink anymore. That's not a cool. I know. So maybe, like, for a short visit, if that was possible, it would be right. fun. Yeah. To, you know, but again, if I took Mark Walkney, because I'm not going to go on my own, because I'd 
kill myself within hours. Um, but yeah, I and then I want to come back again. Yeah. I like it here. Yeah. It's and nice. It's, it's like camping. Like when you're gone for a couple of days, you're like, yeah, this is this is okay. This is great. But you want to essentially you want to go home and you want to yeah. have a charger next to your bed. Uh, yeah, so you and a shower. You want to be able to shower. open your door and then go outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. birds like, and yeah, wine. I mean, there's no wine on Mars. I guess yeah. I'd have to take it with me, and I just. <laughs> Just wouldn't survive very long without that. <laughs> be a wine entrepreneur. I can't. Uh, <laughs> Bring back your Martian wine. Yeah. yeah. Get those cores. Save up those cores. You can grow potatoes. You can probably grow grapes. Uh, we, so, we like, can make vodka out of the potatoes. This is true. We, right. Got it. Let's do and that. And then that's how you make money. I don't know how you get back to Earth. But, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, you know, yeah. business plan information. Yeah. Right? We don't really, the USD will not really do anything for us, but we'll have money. <laughs> Sorry, I put we in there because I've just decided I'm, You're coming I'm, with I'm, us. I'm part of this wine it's adventure. It's fine. Let's do it. We're done. <laughs> okay, Ben McCorder of Instagram. Hey, Star Talk. What would be the challenges of a rocket leaving Mars for a trip to Earth compared to a launch from Earth to Mars? It has to get there. So one of the hardest things about uh, you know rocketry in general is something called the rocket equation, which basically is the basic physics of how much fuel you need based on. Um, how efficient your fuel is to get a certain amount of mass up into space. The problem is, is that there's a exponential term in there. So the more mass you need, you exponentially need more fuel because you have to lift the fuel that's burning. Um, so it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. right? Like it just gets worse and worse. So if you have to go to Mars, one of the biggest challenges of launching from Mars is that we somehow have to get the fuel there. So there's there's two ways, right? You could either bring it with you, but then that means that like it's even more to launch. You're yeah, take because you have the exponential <laughs> term coming back that tells you how much fuel you need, but then like you have to launch it from the Earth. So where planets are essentially in what we call a gravity well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the well for Earth is three times bigger than Mars, but we still have to get up the well and back into the other one and back out again. So it's just it's just physics of how difficult that is and just the, the sheer amount of mass we just don't have. We would have to have multiple launches, somehow assemble that in space, land it on the surface of Mars. Um, people have talked about in-situ resource utilization, which would be the idea of producing materials on Mars. Right? Mining so, the stuff. And- yeah. So there's either, um, I mean, there's actually an experiment that's going on the Mars 2020 mission, which is the next Mars rover that's, Launching in 2020, surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, and that there's there is actually an experiment that is producing oxygen on Mars. Um, it's called Moxie. If you're from the East Coast, there's a drink called Moxie, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> I, I it is kind. Of, I think the PI is on the East Coast, which is the lead scientist. So. Okay. So I think it was an intended pun. Um, that stuff is disgusting. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> and what is? I've heard PI a lot, and it's not private investigator. I'm it's guessing principal principal uh, investigator. Okay. Very close. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is basically the lead scientist on an instrument okay. or on the mission. Um, so yeah. So we could produce that's that's showing produ- production of oxygen, which would be useful for humans, right? Um, but there's been talks about. Oh well, maybe we could produce the fuel on Mars, but doing that isn't easy, right? Like it's, you've seen rockets, you know, you saw the SpaceX blo- uh, rocket blow up on the pad recently, right? Um, and it's not easy, right? They're flammables, they're explosives, they and the more typically the higher energy content or efficiency that the fuel has, the harder it is to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if it's less efficient, you need more of it. Uh, so, so you're saying it's not, not happening or well, no, it not will yet. happen. It will happen. Uh, we just have to figure out a way to either land that fuel or, or produce it. it. I think Find if we're going to send humans, we're going to have to produce it. So maybe we could drop by an asteroid on the way and pick up 
an yeah. asteroid and space miner in Mars orbit and then if there's a way yeah, that's that's another that. way but I like that but we've talked about the Mars sample return mission where we want to bring back a sample that's only 5 right. or 10 kilograms so at that point launching the fuel becomes kind of feasible okay um, it's just launching a whole human is kind of heavy can't you like catapult it off the surface if it's just a s- sample like but I mean you still have to have the we need a catapult <laughs> yeah <laughs> that one <laughs> small problem yeah. <laughs> Jonathan T505, guessing that's an area code, uh, from Instagram. Hello, Natalie. Since we found organic matter on Mars, how does that affect the up-and-coming mission? Are we going to focus on where we found this matter or look elsewhere for ancient life? Okay, so yeah, this is something we've touched on already, that um, I guess the InSight mission is not looking for life. It's not looking right, for organic right. matter. It has really nothing to do with that yeah. aspect of Mars because we have other missions that are already focusing on that and that, that will focus on that because it's an important aspect of yeah. figuring out the planet's history. But InSight, as we've sort of said, it's looking at the planets and it's actually going to be almost more useful for understanding how Earth forms and how the other terrestrial planets form mm-hmm. because we need to understand the planets around us. We've kind of mentioned that to understand Earth is, is hard because it has plate tectonics and it has all sorts of things going on and it's, it's hard to actually look at our own planet sometimes and actually going elsewhere with missions like this that it's kind of a simple system on Mars they don't we don't have all these volcanoes going off everywhere and all these earthquakes happening as frequently as we do on our own planet so we can kind of look at it as a good test bed for understanding a simpler version of our planet in some ways and it's not simple still we've still got a lot to yeah. pick apart but it preserves history because there isn't as much activity right so, so it's kind of so like seeing kind of... an older version of the earth in a way like a, or a, a future one or a future one so um so yeah but it's not it's not looking for organic or, or life or anything or um but that is being done with other missions so yeah, yeah. it might tell us how earth evolved or might evolve and also how other exoplanets for example which are planets around other suns have evolved um right now when we look for planets around other suns that might be habitable right we look at planets that are about the size of the earth that are in the goldilocks zone which is a certain distance away from the the sun where it's not too hot or not too cold Mm -hmm. but mars would almost fall into that category right so so if someone was observing our solar system they'd They'd have if they were really far away and couldn't do like spectrometry, they wouldn't really know. Oh, how, how which one of Venus, Earth, or Mars? You is probably habitable. wouldn't rule out Mars, would you? If no. you were looking from afar, you'd be like, oh, yeah. okay, that looks like a habitable planet. It's a good size. It's not yeah. too far from the sun. It has you know fairly good daily temperatures, maximum, minimum. Mm-hmm. It has a potential to have water. It yeah. had water in the past, so you wouldn't rule it out. And so this is like one of those things. Yeah. Like, why doesn't well, it have life? Yeah. That's right. you know one of the so, questions. So in a way, by knowing what happened to Mars, we might know why what happened to. It, right? Yeah, what mm-hmm. to Earth. So and it might help figure out why Earth has life and why Earth is so lovely, and every yeah. other planet is barren. So, yeah, so it's not part of it's not part of the Mars exploration program. But there's still answers or discoveries that we might make that might inform us in the future. Right. Chad S eight hundred NM from Instagram asks, "What are the technological differences with the mission versus any previous missions, and how does this get us closer to a human stepping foot on Mars?" Well, so I kind of mentioned already that it's similar to the Phoenix mission. So in terms of evolution, you know, the, the solar rays is a little bit bigger. We're landing in a different place, but it's very similar. Um, it's not a rover. It doesn't move around. Um, you know, we have plenty of those missions. For this mission, we didn't really care. We Actually, we don't want to move, right? Because if I had a rover and a seismometer, I don't know, to drag it behind it? I'm not sure. The amount of noise you would make would be horrifying. So so actually, you want to be as quiet as possible on the surface so a lander makes sense. So, so really, technologically, 
I mean, it's still cool because we're landing on Mars and it's new technology to us, but it's nothing, you know, super groundbreaking because mm -hmm. the point is that we wanted to do cool science for limited cost um, by using things that we've done before and improving on them a little bit. Um, we have bigger missions when we're not doing a competed mission that do the groundbreaking stuff. But um, it is doing something groundbreaking because we, we haven't mentioned the CubeSats that oh, have yeah. gone along for the journey. Okay, so these are these little... Box-shaped satellites. You should, you I can't believe you. we haven't mentioned it so far. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> let's talk about them because these are kind of groundbreaking technology. Yeah. Although the CubeSats themselves have been and used a you. lot. They're, yeah. you know, they're used in Earth orbit quite a lot, um, but they've never been taken this far, right? So. No, yeah, that's true. That's one thing that we are doing with this mission. I'm like, I forget. That's like the I first know. two and a half <laughs> years of my career. Okay, so yeah, I, I worked on these for two and a half years when I started GPL. And CubeSats are small spacecraft. They're about shoebox size. So Marco, which is the CubeSats that are co mm -hmm. that co-launched with InSight, are uh, yay big so it's about it's 10 by 20 by 30 centimeters okay so, so really so small like, okay. yeah so like a big cereal box or a shoe box you know if, if you buy boots that's probably about the size of marco um it's about 12 kilograms which is about 25 pounds okay. each um and there's a pair of them um and yeah what marco is doing is it um it's actually following insight right now right behind insight and during the entry descent and landing phase which is kind of the scary part that we talked about right um it's actually just going to fly over above insight and it's going to transmit that edl data because we don't normally Earth. see that part like because the well, spacecraft can't can't tell you what it's doing at that stage. So right? the spacecraft can't, can, can't in real um, time. Yeah, can't talk to the Earth in real time. What's happening with Insight actually is Marco. If Marco doesn't make it, and even if it does, there's another orb orbiters around Mars. Right? Yeah. So MRO, which is one of the orbiters, Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, is actually going to be flying over and getting that data anyway. Oh, okay. Um, so Marco, yeah, well, you know, Insight is doing science for the sake of science, and Marco is doing technology for the sake of technology. And really, the goal there was to say, okay, what if what if MRO wasn't there because these orbiters are getting old? What, are we, what do we do? And they're if big we go, and expensive as well. Yeah. And, you know, what do we do if we go to a planet where there is no orbiters? How do we get that data down? And so this, it was kind of posed as a challenge of how do we do this? And it was literally two guys, you know, talking over a beer and they were like, oh, what, you know, I've heard of these CubeSat things that university <laughs> kids do around Earth orbit. I wonder if if we can do that and go to Mars, because we're JPL, we can probably take these as well. Um, and it started as a study, and I was involved with that study, and I was like, yeah, I guess you could make it work. Um, and then, you know, we had a really short time and a really great team, and it, it was cool because we got to, we had to use technology that already existed again and kind of make it fit together and improve it um, to to get it done on time. Um, and so that really kind of drives technology and innovation really fast when you have to be done really fast. Okay, so they're, um, they're going to get there and then they're going to stay or are they carrying on? No, they, they are carrying on. Okay. They're not getting into orbit around Mars because that takes a lot of fuel. Mm -hmm. And uh, to give you an idea, the fuel that we use is... Um, is the same stuff as you have in your fire extinguisher. Oh. So it's cold gas. So there's no chemical there's no chemical reaction. It just basically goes out one way and we go the other way. Okay. Right? It's Newton's law. Um, and that's why actually we within the team nicknamed the spacecraft Eva and Wally because if you've watched a Wally yeah. movie, he uses a um, a, a yeah. fire extinguisher to get back to the um, to the space station. So that's that why very sweet. There were very uh, many long nights, and we were like trying to figure out a name, <laughs> and I was like, "Wally." <laughs> I don't know how it so came about. Sweet. That 
I love that. Um, but they're not official names. It's just what we call them. But um, yeah, so that's kind of the techn- one of the technologies that we're doing. And that could help future missions. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the future, if we don't have an orbiter, we can at least get data like this. And, and it's the concept of doing things for a little bit cheaper. Because as we discover more about other planets, then we can... You know, we understand the environment better, which in turn will help us land on Mars one day for humans, right? Because we'll know where we're landing, we'll understand the planets. And Mm -hmm. even getting that other data point from entry, descent, and landing, we've only had a few things land successfully on Mars. So another data point of what the atmosphere looks like and how it evolves is super important in terms of getting us to understand how we're going to land humans eventually. It is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. That was a great answer. I've learned a lot. Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. We've had amazing cosmic queries and I'm like, I've learned so much today. So thank you for joining us. I am your host, Natalie Starkey. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Starkey Stardust. I'm going to thank Mo for coming in. Do you want to tell us where people can find more about you? Well, thank you so much. This is a compliment to you guys. It makes me want to go back to school just being here. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Momo Welch. Momo Welch. And we have to thank our amazing guest, Farah Alabey, with this amazing break. And you've told us so much. So, um, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at, at Trifaratops. Trifaratops. Um, and like then it. you can also learn more about Insight and keep up with us uh, at NASA JPL on Twitter and Facebook. Okay, thanks very much. Thanks for joining us. 